Amen. Well, it's good to be here, and uh, I've enjoyed the service thus far, and I want to thank uh, Brother Kevin and all those involved for uh, letting us come and be a part of this meeting and let our uh, church have part in uh, this youth fellowship. Thank God I'm glad the devil doesn't have all the young people. Amen. And uh, this is proof of that. And I was just sitting there looking around and uh, looking at all the preachers and thinking about them as well and the men of God that are here. And I can say these are truly my friends and my heroes. And uh, uh, even Brother Tim, as old as he is, he... I'm going to be honest with you, he's going to pay dearly for that tomorrow. We know that. And uh, No, I, I got very nervous when he gave that introduction. I thought, there, he said that about him. There's no telling what he's going to say about me. And so, uh, but I'm just kidding. I understand that. And uh, it takes a lot to put on a meeting like this. And uh, I want to say to all the young people, we're glad you're here. We're thankful you're here. You could be anywhere else, amen, on a Saturday evening. And you chose to be here. And uh, I believe God will bless you for that. Amen. And uh, so good. Such great churches represented. And uh, we just appreciate the men of God and appreciate the churches that are here. I want to preach from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, we've been praying for the meeting and praying today and praying for uh, God's will to be done. And I, I enjoyed all the uh, activities as well. And I would say to you young people, this is just living proof that you can be saved and have fun and not have to have any regrets about it. Amen. And uh, in fact, what the preacher said a while ago, I think the best life you're ever going to live is a life living for Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, no regrets, no, no sad stories about giving God uh, the best years of my life. And I appreciate that and appreciate what the Lord has done for us. First Samuel chapter 17. And if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God, of course, this is a youth meeting. I know you're able to stand uh, in reference to the Word of God. You know, most of the time, uh, I see these young people and I'll say, how you doing? They'll say, well, I'm wore out and I'm tired. I think, mean, how can you be 16 years old and be tired at anything? Isn't that right? You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of young people saying they're tired. Amen? And uh, if you're 16 years old, you ought to be wide open all the time, every day. And uh, I don't know why I said that. That's sermon number one, okay? Uh, don't be lazy. But First Samuel chapter 17 and verse number one. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah in Ephesus-Daman. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Let's go to God in prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence once again tonight, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name, that name that is above every name, realizing, God, tonight that we desperately need your help. Lord, we know that without you there can be no preaching. And, Lord, we didn't come tonight to uh, just deliver a sermon, but we pray that the power of God would be manifested in our midst tonight. I pray that you'll take your word, and God, would it not return void, but may it accomplish that which you please in our hearts and our lives. Help us, Lord, tonight to receive with meekness the engrafted word. God, we pray that we'll see no man save Jesus only, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I know tonight, young people, that if you're a Bible reader, if you went to Sunday school, any at all, then you're familiar with 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, this is a great chapter, one of the most classical uh, chapters in all the Word of God, talking about the battle that goes on uh, between David and Goliath. 
I really don't want to emphasize that tonight, but I want to emphasize in the early verses of this chapter here uh, that before the battle between David and Goliath takes place, there's another battle that's starting, that is brewing, and is the battle between the Philistines and between the Israelites. That's really what ultimately brought, brought Goliath and David together was the battle between these two nations. Now, uh, they're not just anybody, but they represent somebody very important. The Philistines represent the world, and we know that the children of Israel represent the people of God. They're a battle between God, uh, between good and between evil. It's a battle between God and Satan, between God and the God of this world. And when you come to this text tonight, you'll notice that in verse number 1 that there are two armies. There is the Philistines in verse number 1, and then there's the men of Israel in verse number 2. But then also I want you to see that there are two areas that these armies pick out. The Bible said in verse number 1 that the Philistines come and they gather together in Shoko and between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Damon which is the boundary of blood is where the Philistines begin to set up their camp and begin to get ready to go to battle. Then in verse number 2 there's the men of Israel and the Bible says that they're down in the valley of Elah and that's important tonight young people because of this is because the devil has his ground and the people of God has theirs. Amen. I know that the earth is the Lord's and, and God owns this world. But I want to tell you something friend tonight. You're not on the devil's ground in this church house. You're on the ground that's been given and been dedicated to the people of God. Amen. You know many times when we go out if we're not careful we can find ourselves on the devil's turf. Amen. And so it's important tonight that you make it uh, that you make it your lot in life that you don't find yourself on the wrong side. Amen. Stay on the ground that God has put you on. And so we find these areas. We find these armies but then we notice in verse number 1 and 2 that these two armies have chosen these two areas because each one of them has a different agenda in mind. You say well preacher what is the agenda of the Philistines? The Bible said in verse number 1 that they gathered together or they gathered together their armies that they might do battle. Amen. Then in verse number 2 it says that the people of God set their battle in array. Now both of them have two different agendas Agendas in mind. What are they? I want to say number one, the Philistines' agenda is that they want to do battle. The Israelites' agenda is that they want to defend what God has given them. You see tonight the world wants to do nothing but war against the things of God. If there's going to be any contention, if there's going to be any strife, I promise you it's not going to be of God nor of His people, but it'll always be the influence of the devil. Amen. You see, the devil wants no one to have peace, not even the people of God. But God's people are not a people of war. They're not a people of, of contention or strife, but they are a people of peace. If you want to live a peaceful life, that you've got to be on the right turf. You've got to be with the right army. You've got to be on the right side. Of sight tonight, uh, you've got to be with, uh, with God and with His people. Amen. Now tonight, I want you to notice verse number 3. It's really the text that we want to use tonight. The Bible says that the Philistines were on the one side and Israel stood on the other side of the mountain. And notice this, the Bible said there was a valley that was between them. You know tonight, this valley is very important. 
because this valley tonight it is a low place it represents the world within itself it is the place where the heat of the battle is going to take place I am reminded of what uh, uh, what David said in Psalms 23 when, when he's talked about uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it is a picture of this world this world is the battleground between heaven and hell this world is that valley that we see in verse number 3 it is a low place but then it's legendary what I mean by that is that the battle that takes place in chapter 17 is not just a battle that has been marked in the minds of the Israelites and the Philistines but is a battle that has not just uh, been fought on this day but it is a battle that has been fought down through the ages it is one that will be remembered throughout the history of time and even in eternity because it is a battle much more than the Philistines and the Israelites tonight it's the same battle that's taking place today amongst our young people. Not only is it legendary, but here's the thought. It is a line tonight. The valley between Israel and the Philistines was the line that had been drawn. There was a valley between these two. The battle is fixing to take place. A war is fixing to happen. And we know the story of that war. It begins with two men, but ultimately in the end, everybody is in this battle. And can I tell you tonight, everybody is in the battle that I want to preach on tonight. Young people, it matters not if you're a teenager or if you're, te if you're a preteen or, or tonight if you're in your mid-twenties or if you're in your thirties or your forties or even the walking years of your life. The battle that I want to preach on tonight is a battle that has been raging and it started the day that you and I came into this world and it'll continue to rage when we leave this world but the most important thing in our text tonight is not whether or not you're going to be in the battle you don't have a choice you are in the battle tonight the battle of life but what really makes a difference is which side of this battle you are on tonight I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on are you on the right side of the battle are you on the right side of this battle tonight? You see, the battle between the Philistines and the Israelites represents the spirit and the flesh. It represents uh, you and I tonight. The Bible is clear in verse number 1 that the, the Philistines, or verse number 3, that the Philistines, I underline these uh, little phrases here. The Bible said that the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and the Israelites stood on the mountain, notice this, on the other side. There is the one side and then there is the other side. Before I got saved, I was on this one side. I was living in this world and I was a part of this world. But when I met Jesus and got born again in the free pardon of sin I changed sides friend I got off the one side and I got on the other side you say what's the difference preacher well on the one side it's nothing but ungodliness but on the other side there's righteousness amen on the one side there's nothing but bondage but on the other side thank God there's freedom amen on the one side there is no liberty you're a slave to do as you're commanded but on the the other side. Thank God you've been set free. You've got liberty in Christ. You can have joy on the other side. You listen on the one side we'll find is defeat. The Philistines lost but on the other side there's victory. Thank God. On the one side friend when you think about it they all die but on the other side they all get to live. Amen. I'm telling you on the one side is the devil and on the other side is God. The question is which side of this battle do you find yourself on tonight. Amen. For God put everything in the Bible 
for a specific reason. He put it in there not to just read as a story, but it's a picture that will tell us even to the day that we're living in, every, every bit of the Word of God, though it may be historical, it is as current as anything that we're going to read in today's newspaper. And I want to say when you think about this battle, if there's ever been a generation of young people that's been in the battle, it's the generation that I'm preaching to tonight. And young people, what this meeting is all about is you making your mind up which way in life you are going to go. You see, which side of the battle they was on was important because, first of all, it told who they served. You see, those that lived for the Philistines and served on the Philistine side, they served the gods, the many gods of this world, the false gods of this world. Tonight, listen, if you're on the wrong side, if you're living in the world and as the world, then I want to say tonight, you're on the wrong side of the battle. Listen, which side you're on determines who you serve. Those that were on the Israelite side, they served the one God, the true God, the God Jehovah. Who do you serve tonight? Do you serve the world? Or do you serve the true God? You see, my friend, the world is the enemy of God. According to James chapter number 4, the Bible talks about that the devil is the arch enemy of Christ. And then the flesh is the enemy of the Spirit. And the world and the flesh and the devil are not on the right side tonight. And you and I must decide whose side of this battle are we going to be on. Because which side you're on determines who you serve. Secondly, not only that, it determines what you see. See tonight, which side of the battle you're on determines what you're going to see in life. I don't think there's a young person here tonight that what you will not say, I want to see good days all the days of my life. Then you've got to be on the right side of the battle. Preacher, I want to see days of peace and tranquility. I want to have a good life. I want to have a life that's filled with joy and happiness and a life with no regrets and no scars. You've got to be on the right side if that's what you're going to see. Those that were on the right side, they saw the enemy for who he was, but they had seen too much on that side to ever join forces with the other side. But if you get on the wrong side, you'll not see those days. It'll be days, my friend, of regret. It'll be days of scars and sin. It'll be days of suffering and things uh, that you never anticipated. I'm telling you, friend, which side of the battle you're on not only determines who you serve, but it determines what you see. Amen. Then I want to say tonight, which side of the battle you're on determines, and hear me, young people, it determines where you stand. I want to ask every teenager in this building a personal question tonight. Where do you stand in life? You say, well, preacher, I'm here, I'm at a youth meeting, I'm amongst my youth group, and that's wonderful, and that's commendable, but I'm not asking where your youth group stands. I'm not asking where your preacher stands. I'm quite sure I would know the answer to that question tonight, but it's an individual thing. Where do you stand? Where do you stand with God? Where do you stand in life? Where do you stand when it comes to making choices in this world? Where do you stand when it comes to the flesh? What's the standards in your life? You can't ride your preacher's coattail all your life. You can't just be a part of the church but you've got to make some you've got to make some decisions for yourself you've got to draw this line for yourself you've got to be an individual of conviction and you've got to determine which side of the battle you're going to be on in life amen one day we all have to make that decision 
Don't wait till you're 18 or 19 and 20 to decide where you're going to be in life. You ought to make that decision tonight. You say, but preacher, I'm too young. You're never too young to enlist on the right side. You're never too young to grab hold of some convictions and standards and say, you know, it may have been my preacher's standards today but, or yesterday, but it's my stand today. It may have been mom and dad's stand and thank God for good godly parents. Uh, but now it's not just what mom and dad says. Uh, it's not just what the preacher preaches. Uh, but today, right here, right now, on an altar today, I'm taking a stand for what's right. I'm crossing over. I'm joining this army for myself. Uh, I'm getting a part of the battle. I'm going to be on the right side of the battle. Amen. Oh, how many of you tonight? You, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you tonight? You want to be on the right side of this thing. You see, you have an opportunity that so many people do not have tonight. You have a clean slate. You have a life of no sin, no scars. Sure, you may have made your mistakes. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done, and I don't, but I'm here to tell you tonight, young person, I don't care how much you've missed your life up to this point, you still got a cleaner slate than a whole lot of people out there do, and you can reverse the curse or whatever you've done. You can stop it short right now, and you can say, well, I may have made a mess of something. Some of you have no, no, no regrets, no scars. You've been raised right and taught right, but you still have to make the choice tonight. Listen, tonight, you need to make your mind up. Are you going to be on the world's side or are you going to be on God's side tonight? So, well, preacher, I think I'll just kindly stand down in the middle and blend in. I'll tell you what would have happened here, friend, if you'd have blended in. Both sides would have killed you. Amen. If you'd have put an Israelite helmet on and if you'd have put a girdle from the Philistines, they'd have both took you down. And can I tell you, those that stand on the contemporary side that want to take the world and the things of God and mingle and mix them together, they'll slay them on selves. There's some contemporary churches and contemporary singing and contemporary preachers. You mark it down, young people, it will not stand. It's a movement. It's a fad. It's a ploy of the devil to try to pull young people in. But listen, there's always just been two ways. There's the world and there's God. There's what's wrong and there's what's right. You can't mix the two. There's black and there's white. I'm telling you friend, listen, you've got to decide if you're going to go with God, you can't go half the way. You've got to go all the way with God. Amen. I'm not preaching something to you tonight to be preaching. I want to tell you young people, it's a real burden of my heart. I'm tired of seeing young people swept away by the wrong side. I'm tired of watching the world take our music and put their beat to it. Can I get an amen right there? Brother, I'm tired of, uh, of listen, uh, them coming along and making fun of old-time preachers and old-time singers and men of God and women of God that's lived clean lives and walked with God and prayed down through the years uh, and they make light of those things and make you think uh, that you can be hip and you can be hopping and you can be a part of this world and you can still have the power of God. I'm telling you, young people, that's a ploy of the devil tonight. You hear me and hear me well. You've got to make a conscious choice. Uh, it's either go with God or it's go with the world. You can't hold hands with the world, the Bible says, and please God. The world is enmity with God. It's go all the way or it's none of the way tonight. God never asked you to be the best at anything, but He asked you to give your best because Christ gave His best. Tonight, listen, young people, when it comes to living for God, half-hearted service will not do. 
fighting the battle, trying to blend in and be part of both sides will never do. You must make your mind up tonight. Whose side of this battle are you on tonight? I remember that day in my life. How many of you today, you don't have to raise your hand, but I can recall the very moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I decided that I was going to go with God. I decided what you spoke about this, uh, just a few moments ago, what the preacher said, that he was just going to go all the way with God. I would dare say in a congregation this size tonight, there's some teenager, that goes, some young man that God would like to call to preach. I'm sure there's some young man or some young lady that he wants to call to the mission field. But something is holding you back. You're still holding on to something. I'm telling you, if you'd get on this altar tonight and say, I stand with God. I stand with old-time religion. I stand with the King James Bible. I stand I stand with old-fashioned preaching. I stand with the right kind of music. I stand with the right kind of standards, uh, the right kind of convictions. Uh, I'm telling you, if you'll make your mind up, God will bless you for that. I want to say tonight, if you're going to be on the right side of the battle, let me give you these thoughts tonight and we'll be through. Number one, if you're going to be on the right side of the battle, number one, you have to be saved. Do you see tonight that these people that are on the right side, not the Philistine side, but, but Israel's side. These people that tonight, they are the people of God. They belong to, to the, they're, 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 they're the nationality. They're, they're, they're Jews. They're the Israelites. Uh, they belong to God by birth. He has chose this nation. And tonight, in order for you to be on the right side, we've got to have the right birth. Amen. You've had a physical birth. But the real question is, have you been born again spiritually? Do you know that you're saved? I'm not here tonight to question your salvation or to make you doubt your salvation. Only you know if you have truly been saved. But I'm here to tell you, if you're saved tonight, you'll want to be on the right side. You Listen, you'll want to join the right side. I worry about young people that say they're saved and they want to live out in this world and they love this world. They never really truly have a heart for God. I understand you can backslide and get away from God but if you're saved tonight, they ought to be a desire. They ought to be a hunger. They ought to be a thirst. They ought to be a want to inside of you that makes you want to live for God. Are you saved tonight? Amen. See, the Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, I think tonight that many times we would hear that verse quoted, and when we think about the old things, we think about uh, the old sinful things of the flesh. And we think about uh, uh, things such as drinking and smoking and chewing and all these different things that, and carousing and, and all these different types of sin, these works of the flesh that we can think of. But can I be honest with you tonight? I got saved at 13. I never drank. I never smoked a cigarette. I never gambled. I'm not bragging, but I'm telling you, if those things being gone, if that's the old things that 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is talking about and all things becoming new, I didn't have those things in my life. Oh, I think it's much more than that. I think there's some old things that every sinner has, regardless if God saves them off of a bar stool or a church pew. There's some old things that we all have in common. There's some new things that we all have in common, regardless of the pit He brought us out of. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying, what about the old, uh, the old thing of condemnation? You see, before you get saved, every sinner has condemnation, young person. It don't matter if you get saved at 10 or at 7 or if you get saved at 70. It doesn't have anything to do with the life that you're living. It doesn't 
matter how clean you live. It doesn't matter if you've been in Sunday school every Sunday. Every sinner is condemned before they get saved. That's an old thing. But I want to tell you the day I got saved, that old thing of condemnation was passed away and justification was put in my heart. I didn't know John 3.16, but when I got off my knees, I knew I'd been saved. Amen? I couldn't tell you how I got saved. I just knew I asked Jesus to save me and he came into my heart and he gave me peace and condemnation was gone and justification was in. I'm not asking you if you've drank or smoked. Those things don't define whether or not you're saved or lost. For if they did, and a man ever went back to them, if that's what defined him as being saved, it's what would define him as being lost. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I want to tell you for 30 years of my life, I've made a lot of mistakes and got a lot of regrets, but I've never had a pill in my head at night and wonder if I was going to heaven when I die because the old account was settled long ago. How about it, young person, tonight? I'm not asking you if you're doing right or doing wrong. I'm asking you, are you saved? I'm asking you, is condemnation rolled out and is justification rolled in? I'm telling you, I've got a friend that got saved seven years of age in a Bible school. And I'm telling you, he's listen, He's the same age as me now. He's just as saved as I am. He's got peace in his heart. You know why? Because when Jesus saved you, he justifies you. Amen. That old thing of fear rolls out and faith rolls in. That's something every sinner has before they get saved. They have fear. Are you on the right side of the battle tonight? Do you know that you're saved? Many other things, old things are passed away. All things are become new. What about it tonight? Number one, to be on the right side of this battle, you must be saved. You must be born again. I would dare say in a congregation this size that there are young people here tonight that you do not know that heaven is your home. Tonight needs to be the night you get saved. Secondly, not only do you need to be saved, but you need to be surrendered. You see, one thing that I'll give both sides of this battle is that they were surrendered to their commander-in-chief. The Philistines was following their commander-in-chief, and the Israelites were following their commander-in-chief. Now, Israel didn't have much of a commander in this chapter here, but they were still surrendered to the one that was in charge. And I want to say tonight, if you're going to be on the right side of the battle, You've not only got to be saved, but you've got to be surrendered tonight. You say, well, preacher, I know that I'm going to heaven. Well, have you surrendered your life to God? Have you got on an altar somewhere and say, Lord, I give my life to you, not just in salvation, but I want to live for you with all of my heart. I don't want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be what I want to be in life, but I surrender my life to do your will, whatever that is. If it's go to the mission field, if it's be a faithful deacon in the church, a faithful Sunday school teacher, if it's to be a faithful piano player, Lord, I'll live right, I'll live clean, I'll live holy. I surrender my life to be what you want me to be. Amen. Have you done that tonight? Are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? You see, when the Apostle Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9, the very thing that fell off of Paul's lips was this, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Saved people have a desire to do the will of God. 
See, if you're here tonight and you say, but preacher, I've never had a desire to do God's will, then I would wonder if you was truly saved. But if you're here tonight and you say, preacher, I know I'm saved, but I'm struggling because I'm afraid that God may ask me to do something that's bigger than I am. I'm afraid that God will ask me to do something that I'm not capable of doing. I'm afraid that if I were surrender, what if he asked me to do something that is beyond my thought or beyond my dreams? Can I go ahead and tell you, he's going to do that, but he's going to equip you. He's going to guide you. He's going to provide for you. Don't you think that God knows what's best for all of us tonight? He knows the he has the best will and our best interest in minds. And young people, if you'll get on an altar and say, God, I'm tired of trying to figure life out for myself. I'm tired of doing things my way. But God, I'm going to surrender. Lord, whatever you want me to do, if you'll just tell me, that's what I'll do tonight. Young people, we need another generation that'll rise to the occasion and say, I'll get on the right side of the battle and I won't just follow what I want in life, but I'll surrender. I'll sell out lock, stock, and barrel and do what God wants me to do in life. Some of you boys tonight, have you surrendered to the will of God? Have you surrendered to the call to preach, the call to be a missionary, the call to be a faithful church member, the call, you say, well, I've got big plans, and I can understand that. I, I remember that. But can I tell you something? Just as it's already been testified tonight, God took all of my plans, wadded them up, threw them in a trash can. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm so thankful that He did. Because what I thought would have brought me lasting peace and happiness, though it was not sinfulness, it just wasn't the will of God. It would have left me dissatisfied. It would have left me not where God wanted me to be at. Can I tell you, He took me places I never thought He would take me, as it would be said with anybody tonight. But if you're in the will of God, I think you'll testify the same, that life has took, me, took us all down roads that we never planned. But the will of God is the most pleasant place you'll ever be in life. It is the most peaceful place you'll ever be in life. I, I'm telling you, I'd rather pillow my head at night and not have two nickels to rub together but know that I'm in the will of God I'd rather be facing the storm of my life and knowing that I'm in the will of God there's just something that you cannot put in words when you surrender your will to God's will for your life tonight you want to be on the right side I'll tell you how surrender you see tonight you and I are not capable of planning out even one day of our life let alone the rest of it you know, tonight, if you tried to choose the mate that you thought would be best for you, you would choose the wrong one. There was a girl in school, I thought she was pretty, and I, I liked her, and I thought I'd marry her. Then ten years later, I ran into her, and I thank God I didn't marry her. I mean, she had biceps like a man, looked like a truck driver. I said, Lord, thank you, you know what's best for me. I'm telling you tonight, you think, you, you say, oh, but he's so beautiful, or so, or he's, so, he's such a hunch, he's so beautiful. Yeah, but I'm telling you, only God knows uh, what will make you happy in life. Uh, only God knows. Uh, he see, you and I don't know what we're going to face tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to face 10 years from now. And you need the right mate. You need the right person in life. Uh, and the only way to ever find that is say, dear God, if you leave it to me, I'll make a mess of my life. So I take my life. I put it in your hands. Uh, I surrender my life to you and God if you'll just guide me if you'll do the leading I'll do the following would you do that tonight if you haven't already I want to say not only if you're going to be on the right side do you need to be saved do you need to be surrendered but let me say this tonight you need to be separated 
I know that's not popular, young people. In fact, you're not going to hear, you'll hear it from these men. But there's a lot of places you're not going to hear Bible separation preached on. Do you know one of the first doctrines in the Word of God is separation? In fact, the first thing God did when He created this world was He separated the light from the darkness. If you want to know how far separation goes back, it goes back from the very beginning and the foundation of this world. God has always had a distinction between the world and between His people. In this chapter here, there's a line that's been, driven, that's been drawn that has separated the world. You see, when Israel and the Philistines got ready to fight, even they had enough sense to know they couldn't go over and camp out together if they was going to be in a battle against each other. I mean, listen, that, that's not going to work. Uh, but isn't it amazing how we're living in a generation that they'll teach our young people, they'll teach you that, well, you can have a little bit of the world uh, and you can have a little bit of God. Uh, and it's going to be, no, listen, friend, the world and God have never camped out together and if you're going to be on the right side, you're going to have to get as far away from this world as you can and as close to the things of God as you can. I'm telling you, you're going to have to live as God would have you to live. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 1, or verse chapter 6 and verse number 18, he said, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. Not saith the preacher. Somebody thinks a lot of times that's what the preacher's always preaching. But the Bible said, Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. God said, don't just, God said, don't even touch the unclean things of this world. He said, and I'll be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I'm telling you, friend, if you want to be blessed, uh, separate from the, the world, separate to the things of God. You'll have a blessed life if you'll do that. See, the Bible said in Psalms 1, we all know the verse. The Word of God says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But that's not the end of the psalm. And the reason the man that's blessed in verse 1 is not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, sitting in the sea of the scornful, the reason he's not doing those things, young people, is because of verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. You say, preacher, I struggle with the world. Can I tell you something? That's a lie. Everybody struggles with this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Don't get mad at your preacher when he preaches on things. Because the Bible told, tells us not to love the things of the world. Every man of God has to preach on things. When I grew up, I, I remember the men of God preaching on things and they would name those things and, and list those things. And I'm going to tell you something, as a t teenager, mom and dad might get mad, but as a teenager, I greatly appreciated it because I needed somebody to tell me what things I didn't need to be around, what things I didn't need to be involved in. And thank God for preachers that will preach on things, amen. Love not the things of this world, amen. Be separated. Listen, give your heart to the things of God, to, to, to the Word of God, to pray. Uh, to preaching, to, to the church, love the things of God, and you won't struggle near as much with the things of this world. I want to ask you young people this question tonight. Saved you may be, but are you separated? Is there things tonight that you're holding on to that's robbing you of your joy and your power with God? You know, I want to say, young people tonight, I've met a lot of adults that have the same problem. I've seen adults getting mad because you preach on separation. 
The Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You see tonight, young people, we can't be perfect. We can't be sinless. But we ought to be blameless. We ought to live our life above reproach. We need another generation of young people that will live like Christians. Another generation of young people that will look like Christians. I'm here to tell you, friend, when you think about this, listen, you couldn't look like the Philistines and be on the right side. If you went over there and you started dressing like a Philistine and putting on the Philistines' armor and put their, put their, put their, put their suit on and then you walked over here and you, and you joined, you might be on the right side. You're just not going to be on the right side too long. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you look like a Philistine, then all them Israelites are going to look at you and they're going to think you're a Philistine and they're going to pull their sword out and you're going to die. And can I tell you, that's what's happened to a lot of young people spiritually. They've not separated from the world. They want to be on the right side, but they want to be on the right side and still look like the crowd that's on the wrong side. Young people, don't dress like the world. Somebody say amen. Don't look like the world. Don't follow the world's fashion. Don't listen to the world's music. That means don't listen to rock music. Don't listen to country music. Don't listen to all that trash. Don't listen to contemporary music. Go still with me tonight I'm saying listen listen to the right kind of music music that's decent and wholesome that honors God and lifts up your uh, the spiritual man M music that promotes righteousness and godly living that's the kind of music you need to listen to you see tonight you can't look like a Philistine young ladies look like a young man men look like a you boys look like a man amen Get a haircut like a man, and you ladies get your hair done like a woman. Can I get an amen? Isn't that right, girls? When I went to school, I mean, listen, boys went to the barber shop, and women went to the beauty shop. Isn't that right? Now it's the other way around. Amen. I'm talking about look like, have character. Have the right kind of character. Don't get puffed up, man, because I preached that. I grew up on that all my life. The only thing is, I didn't preach it half as hard as they did. Isn't that right, Brother George? I'm telling you them old time, we need to get back to that kind of preaching. I mean, it, it, don't, it, don't, uh, it don't suit everybody's fancy. But I'm not preaching tonight to make people happy. I'm preaching to be honest with you tonight. And I'm preaching to tell maybe some young person here, if you want to go all the way with God, don't you listen to some liberal. You listen to me tonight. If you want to go all the way with God, if you get on this altar, Say, God, I want to separate my life. I want, to get, I want to cut the world out of my life. And I want to get closer to God. I don't care what people say. You know, growing up, I would hear, I would hear the church kids. They would say things like this. I never understood this really. They would say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't live separated because my parents made me live separate. When I got older and I could do the things that I would do, my parents were so hard on me. They made me dress right. They made me listen to the right kind of music. They made me go to the right places. And, they, and, and you know, because of that, it made me bitter. Do you know I never believed that one day as a teenager? And I'm going to tell you why. Because I grew up in a home where I could do what I wanted to do. I could listen to whatever music I wanted to listen to. I could do the, some of those very things. I couldn't do everything, but I could do most of the things that they said their parents were going to do. But I'm going to tell you something. God saved me from all that nonsense. And I remember laying on a tile floor in a little apartment that I grew up in and saying, Dear God, if you'll give me the grace 
I don't want to live that way. I remember when God called me to preach, I didn't have a suit. I didn't have a tie to church, wear a church. And God started telling me about preaching. I was 15 years old, and I said, God, I don't, I can't, I don't even have the clothes to be a preacher. On a Sunday night, in that little storefront building, God came to my pew and said, if you'll answer the call tonight, I'll put the clothes on you, you may wear. I'm going to tell you, God used my lost granddaddy who was, wouldn't even let you talk to him about God. He bought my first clothes that week, my first suit for me that week. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, young people, if you'll sell out to God, he'll take care of you. Don't you listen to the excuses of those that have never sold out. Don't you listen to those that are bitter. I don't know why they're bitter, but it ain't God's fault. It ain't their parents' fault. It ain't the fault of the church. It ain't the fault of the pastor. I'm telling you, God's got enough grace. If he can give you enough grace to rise above the hell and live for God. Hey, listen to me. If there's somebody here tonight and you are bitter, God will give you grace to get over your bitterness. You ought to thank God for what you have. I had to trade places with any young person that had a good mom and good dad that would take them to Sunday school and took them to church. I'd have traded places a thousand times over but I'm here to tell you tonight God gave me the grace and God gave me the people in my life to live for God and if he can help me he can help you tonight. You can make it if you want to. The real question is do you really want to live for God? Do you want to? Are you saved? Are you surrendered? Are you separated? And I'll close with this. Are you serving family? As a preacher, I want to be on the right side of the battle. Then you better get busy. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to, serve, you're not going to be on the right side never serving God. So well, what can I do? Start with going to Sunday school. Start with showing up for Wednesday night youth meetings. Start showing up for, for church three times a week. Start singing in the choir. You say, but, 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 but I, I, don't, I can't sing. Old Brother Ed Blue sung that song. He said, every bird sings but a buzzard. Amen. When I heard that, I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and sing. Hey, young people, you don't have to sing like a mockingbird, but don't be a buzzard, amen. Go to the choir and sing in the choir. Listen, go to church, read your Bible. You say, I don't have a Bible. Ask God to give you one. Somebody will get you a Bible, but open that book and read that book every day of your life. Get on your knees and talk to God and let God talk to you. I'm talking about serve God, amen. Show up for visitation, amen. Make your mind up when you get a job that you're going to work, but you're not going to let work come into place of serving God. Amen. That means you're not going to work on Sunday. Somebody say amen. That means you're going to church. It's church first. He said, well, I need money. You need God more than anything. I'm just simply saying this tonight, young people. You've got to be a person of conviction if you're going to live for God. You've got to take a stand somewhere. So why not take a stand when you're young and say, I'll not work on Sunday. I'll not work on Wednesday night. I'll be faithful to my church, my youth group. I'll be faithful to the youth activities. I'll go to youth meetings. I'll put preaching in. I'll listen to preaching CDs and singing CDs. Get rid of all that trash and fill it with good things and get on the right side of the battle. Amen. I promise you this. I don't care how many people make fun. I don't care how many people criticize. If you'll do what I preached to you to do tonight, not because it's my word, it's His word, you'll never be sorry. I'm going to tell you what will happen. You'll win the victory. You know what happened in this story? Oh, I know they stood out there for 40-something days shaking in their boots and fearful 
And I'm going to tell you something. I, I've been just like them. In serving God, there's fear in serving God. And I'm going to tell you what happened. David come over that hilltop one day. A young shepherd boy come over that hill. And on this day, David was not a shepherd, but the shepherd became a soldier. He came over that hilltop. He walked down to that valley in front of all that those Israelites in front of that great army that was wanting to serve God. All they was waiting for was someone to lead them in the right direction. He walked down to that brook and pick, picked up five smooth stones uh, and he walked across that brook uh, and he slew the superman of the Philistine army and he cut his head off and he held it up for all the world to see that those that will trust God and go forward, that will stand against the odds, uh, they'll defeat the enemy every time. And can I tell you one of these days young people our David is coming back and one day he's coming over the clouds he's going to come back and he's going to defeat the God of this world the superman of this world and we're going to win in the end hallelujah I want to be on the right side don't you I want to be holding high the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ I want to stand while I can still stand in these last days